the prices are still out of control and that hits a lot of people really week to week. You could black out the news, you could stop paying attention to whatever, you can't ignore that everything costs more than it did last year. Here's the headline. Inflation stubbornly high. Wages not keeping pace with these fast rising prices, which they note is also an uncomfortable truth for a president who promised to make real wage gains a centerpiece of his economic program. We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. I am Michael Duncan here with me, John Ashbrook and Comfortably Smug. How you guys doing? Outstanding. We're, we're doing okay, but we're missing our pal Holmes. He's he's out for a very good reason. Michael. Yeah. Yeah, he's out in uh, in Nevada uh, helping old Adam Laxalt. A huge, huge Senate race out there. Um, you know, there's some new polling in that race, and we'll talk about that later in the show. Things looking good. But Things it's like uh, it's like Smug always says, the red wave isn't something that's happening. It's something we're doing, and here at the Ruthless Variety Program, there's going to be a lot of that. Exactly. We're, we're like, going to be out there doing it. Throughout the cycle, you know, from time to time, one of us, some of us, many of us, all of us, We'll be out on the road because we're all rolling up the sleeves, putting in the work because we know what's what's at stake. And like this episode, we're gonna co- there's a lot of really bonkers, horrific things happening that this administration is directly responsible for, and it's gonna take all of us working together to get them out of power. And and, and so bonkers that uh, MSNBC is even admitting that inflation is out of control. Yeah. That's incredible. Things have gotten that bad. Yeah. <laughs> things, are, things, are, you know, things are getting bad quick. Oh, man. Yeah. And things might even get a little worse for the Acela Corridor with all this Amtrak news, which is another thing that we'll talk about later. But before we get to all that, uh, we got a great guest today, uh, Mark Ronchetti, who's running for governor in New Mexico. Uh, we did an interview with him. Fantastic guy. Just he, a terrific personality. I yeah, mean, I think he, everybody's going to love him. And you know, he was a meteorologist on 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 TV in New Mexico for a while. So like, he gets it. Uh, big fan of the program. Great interview. Also, our sponsor today, Common Sense Leadership Fund. You heard from Kevin McLaughlin uh, last week about that. We got some updates there, and we'll we'll talk about that later in the show as well. But first, before we get to all that huge show, mm-hmm. uh, let's read some reviews, guys. Who wants to take the first one? I'll take it. Okay. This is from Golf Bros 1509. It says, young conservative guy. It says, as a listener since day one and someone who just graduated from college, congratulations, I want to say thank you. From the animal chatter to the defense of conservative principles you've made starting adulthood in NYC. Wow. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. How about yeah. that? I'll be in the VADC area next week. And as a huge Eagles fan, I'd love to watch the game or have a friendly wager with Holmes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Good chance you can catch us catch somebody at a sports bar watching the games. Yeah, yeah. And Holmes' wife is a big Eagles fan. Yeah. Gonna be I mean, I'm just so happy to have NFL back. Oh gosh. So happy to have it back. It's just so the best. Good. Here's another one. This one is it's, it's somebody put a lot of time into this one. This is from Skeeter and fourteen, and the title is Funny Insider Takes That Draw First Blood. Ooh, love it. Here's what Skeeter and 14 writes. Know why I love this podcast so much? Three reasons. Number one, I can't tell you how informative it is to listen to the fellas as they give their insider take on the goings-on and inner workings of Washington politics. I've tried other podcasts from both sides of the political spectrum, but none give me as much info in as little time 
as the Ruthless Variety Program. I even tried to listen several times to Pod Save America. Oh, God bless you. Which I had heard was a comparable style program, just to make sure I was understanding both sides of the issues. But it was so devoid of any actual facts that it just annoyed me, and I haven't been able to finish even one episode. And although they have a comedian in the group, it's not even that funny. <laughs> <laughs> and no animal fighting over there. And I mean, that was one of the reasons we started this is, you know, we would hear stories of folks, Republicans who are working on the Hill, who are listening to Politics of America because they're like, I just need to hear anything right. about politics. Yeah. And, you know, we're here, you know, thank God to give an alternative to that. Well, Skeeter Ann goes on to say, I admit that I had to Google a lot of stuff at first just to keep up with the conversation with the ruthless fellas. But it was so worth it. I and my family are definitely much smarter since we started listening. That is point one. Here's point two. Wow. There's nothing more fun than getting in on the joke. And when these guys start laughing at something ridiculous, it's downright contagious. Alcohol-fueled or not, it's pure fun. (laughs) That should be our tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and the games are nothing short of fire. That was point number two. Here's point number three. Lastly. Listening to Ruthless has made me feel hopeful again about American politics. I love that they're on the offense against the liberal lunacy that does not match the opinion of anyone I know, Mm -hmm. and I live with or work with in the diverse community of Chicago healthcare. Wow. That's the thing thing is like the left at this point is so off the rails, they don't speak for anybody. The vast majority of Americans are normal, and they recognize how terrible things have gotten. Skeeter Ann says, my whole life— it seems that conservatives in the media have been on the defensive, and I'm so glad to hear such a strong truth and sense, but without arrogance, here in this podcast. What a relief. So grateful to have found you all. Thanks for making me more informed, and I work with you for that red wave that is coming. Thank you so much. That is such a—I mean, that was beautiful. That was great. Outstanding. Sure was. Sure wow. was. Real maestro there, Skeeter Ann. Thank you very much. All right. To, to get right into it here on the show— um, you know, there was a big celebration at the White House uh, this week to t- talk about how great the Inflation Reduction Act is. Yeah. I mean, you could not make this up. And uh, it sort of coincided with a lot of bad economic news. Yeah. The, Dow, the Dow goes down 1,000 points. Yep. 1,300. Or 1,300 points. Uh, CPI was at, what, 8.3%? 8, 8, expected at 8.1, came in higher at 8.3. So inflation, again, higher than expected. Right. And you're, all, you're getting that constantly from this administration. Oh, we didn't expect inflation to come and so Oh, we expected it was going to be transitory. Oh, we didn't know the <laughs> Taliban was going to take over. Oh, we didn't know, like... Is anyone doing their job there? I mean, no one's doing their job there, clearly. Right. right. And you and we we all know, and I'll just say this because I know we're going to get a lot of emails and texts about it, 8.3 does not tell the whole story. Nope. Food prices in this country have gone up much more than 8.3%. Oh, yeah. And if you look at this inflation on a state-by-state basis, many of these states have numbers that are way, way higher than 8.3%. I mean, there's a lot that's going on in the economic numbers because they've been tr- actively trying to goose it because they know how bad things are. They've been doing things like so. So the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which we have for like emergencies, like you know a serious serious problem right. comes up, lowest now, level. Yeah, it's now at the lowest level because the Biden administration has been kind of releasing that, selling it to even fucking China, right? Uh, to try to make up for it. But despite all of that, the the amount that food prices have increased, and everyone, I don't even even need to tell folks, if you go to the grocery store, if you go to a restaurant, it's everything is way more expensive almost by the day. It keeps going up. Right, right. So, like, that is leading every single newspaper. That is on every single but that's uh, the thing is, show on television but, right now. But only only selectively. So, right. like, uh, I was going through the, the the front pages of various websites. CNN, nothing about it. 
Not a single, their entire front page does not mention the word inflation or economy, right? Washington Post, same situation. Yeah, but at least from our intro, MSNBC is is That's now what was so willing willing to talk about it. Now step in Lindsey Graham, oh. okay, and couldn't get worse for the Biden administration, yeah. and he now has introduced a fifteen week abortion bill. Um, what they say, you know, Lindsey Graham and, and those who've been promoting this legislation is that it gives Republicans a place to land on the issue, a tough issue, obviously, for Republicans that motivates the other side's base in a midterm election where the number one issue is the economy, right? The number one issue is inflation. It's all of these things. And now we're stuck. We're mired in an abortion debate in Washington, D.C., your thoughts. And and here's the thing. So, like, I remember when when Roe v. Wade gets overturned. That was a day of celebration because we're like, yes, finally, it's going back to the states. Right. And it's like boomeranging this like, no, dude, like, number one, the whole reason was it goes back to the states. That's right. Like, as a conservative, you Mm -hmm. always believe in that because you don't want to have one overlord at the top telling you what to do because the rules can shift very quickly if if, if the federal government is calling the shots. You know, you don't know who's going to control the Senate. You don't know what can happen there. You want states at a local level for you to be able to, you know, uh, have some sort of a control over your life. Well, That's and why then we as like a, limited government at state level. And then also as a practical matter, like we were saying, the number one issue in this election is the economy. You couldn't have picked worse possible and, timing. And, and on the day <laughs> when Biden's out there, James Taylor is singing, I've seen fire right, rain. Right, right, As the stock market's melting down. Yeah. As economic data is showing that. This administration's policies are a tremendous failure, and he's spiking the football on, on on an Inflation Reduction Act, which every economist has said will do absolutely nothing for inflation and will make things worse because it's more government spending. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, look, um, I think it's well-intentioned what Lindsey Graham is trying to do. I think, you know, candidates are going to have to answer this, whether I I, whether I, you have this bill or not. I don't know. I'm just mad enough that I'm like, I don't care if it's well intentioned. But, but like, here's, here, here's, you I should know better, dude. Like, what the hell is Lindsey Graham doing? Like, at this time, <laughs> trying to Leroy Jenkins jump in the middle of a conversation? It's like, right. when your enemy is destroying himself, you don't jump in. Like, this is rule number one. This is the basics. Right. Yeah. Like, like, everyone is talking about how Joe Biden looks like a moron trying to spike the football on a day that the economy is melting down, the stock market is crashing. And then Lindsey Graham wants to run up and get in front of a microphone? What the hell? Every candidate knows exactly how to answer this question based on what they believe and based on what the voters in their state are, uh, what they're trying to represent. Right. They don't need guidance from Washington about what to say on this topic. Right. And candidates are already doing it. That's why I don't understand why you would go ahead and do this when, number one, it has no chance of passing. You don't even have the majority. Right. Well, even even if you did, Joe Biden's not going to sign. Right. (laughs) Anyway, we're not going to take the bait on it. We're going to talk about the thing that voters care about right now, and that is the economy. It is the economy, stupid. And, 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 I mean, so the numbers, we already talked about headline CPI looking bad. We already talked about the Dow dropping 1,300 points. This is some of the coverage we we touched on earlier. Uh, The Reuters headline, monthly U.S. consumer prices unexpectedly rose in August. <laughs> Unexpectedly. Oh, yeah. They passed the Inflation Reduction yeah, Act. Yeah, what happened? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's wild how even Reuters, where they're essentially supposed to be like a wire service. Yeah. It's just the facts. Just right. the facts. Right. Unexpectedly. Right. They're editorializing right Completely. there. In the, in a headline. Yeah, they're trying to condition the audience to be like, oh, well, it's not like Joe Biden could have done anything about this. Nothing could have been done. The it's guy's, unexpected. The guy's just like stapling $10,000 to any kid who's got like a, you know, a gender studies degree. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're paying for it. How, how, how are we supposed to know that that isn't going to help inflation? And praying that they turn out and vote for Democrats. I mean, the media has really tried to spin this inflation issue, in many cases, away from Biden. They want to take the blame away from him. ABC, I don't know if you guys saw this. There I saw this. Headline, you were tweeting about headline, it. Headline, driven by consumers. <laughs> U.S. inflation grows more persistent. Like it's consu- like it's your fault yeah. because you went to Seven Eleven, you caused inflation because you bought. Why'd you go to the supply. grocery store? Why'd you go to the grocery store, buddy? Don't you care about Biden? <laughs> Joe Don't Biden you want him to succeed? Your help. <laughs> there really is. There really is a Jimmy Carter esque flavor to all of the coverage now. You know, it's yeah. like just put a sweater on, sort of stuff. It's ridiculous. It's your fault. You know, you have to change for Joe Biden. <laughs> well, it didn't stop with ABC. Vox.com. Oh, you guys familiar with Vox.com? Right. Yeah. Here's their headline Rising rent prices are keeping inflation high. <laughs> so it's rent. Yeah. That. So it's consumers and it's rent. It's not Joe Biden. And if, I, I have a if feeling. If you would just buy an electric car and buy a house, this would all be over. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That is such a, a great message for uh, you know for the Zoomers out there. The, so the Wall Street Journal had a great uh, statistic: the typical American household is spending four hundred sixty dollars more each month to buy the same goods and services as last year. Every month, four hundred sixty dollars more Jeez. on average. It's just a gut punch, and the idea that anybody who's running for any office thinks that that is not the central focus of your typical family when they're trying to figure out how they're going to vote this fall is diluting themselves. That is that is the main issue, and it cuts across any demographic, age, anything. Uh, you brought up Zoomer, so uh, th- this, was a, this was a statistic. It said 73% of Gen Z say the economic environment has made it more challenging to save. 75% are seeking ways to earn additional income. Like, this is the issue. Americans are struggling. Right. Americans are struggling to get by on their basic necessities. And that should be the message that every campaign is focused on and hammering. It doesn't matter what the Dems are trying to make the issue. Right. It's the economy stupid. Like it, it really is. Well, and if if that if Gen Z is trying to save because they want to buy a house, I got more bad news for them. U.S. mortgage interest rates just topped six percent for the first time since two thousand eight. Yikes! And didn't didn't they signal a, a full one? Yeah, there's originally discussion of of 75 uh, uh, basis, basis points, and now now the talk is 100 basis points. Like the Fed's going to keep keep ratcheting up those interest rates as long as this administration's policies are inflationary. Jesus, it's just like it's going to be endless pain. It's going to be endless pain for the American people. The only only option that they have on the table is to kick the bums out. You have to throw every you, dem you, you out of office. Do. It, these are the people culpable for all of your suffering. They're, listen, all the Dems, the blood's on all their hands. They were all yes. culpable, especially in the Senate. They all voted for all of this nonsense. They all were on board. They were all the deciding vote. Every single one of them was Every the single one vote. of them was the deciding vote. Exactly right. Every single one of them. So the only way to make the pain stop is to vote them out. Yeah. No, it's it's true. And one other one other thing that you'll see a lot in the press is that the Fed— wants to push us into a recession like that that's the literally tool. yeah they're raising the interest rates like like it's we were the talking about approach like they want to push us into a recession but every time you read that headline you have to remember who put the fed in the position to push us into Bingo. a recession right who put the gun to the head of the american economy it yeah. was joe biden there and the democrats go. right and instead they're selling like i don't know how they could get this tone deaf 
to be out there celebrating the quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act at the White House as the Dow dropped dropped more than 1,250 points. This is this is what you get from zero accountability in the media. If yeah. the media mm-hmm. looked at Democrats as critically as they looked at Republicans, we would not have these problems. I mean, a great so a great example of of how much shit this administration is full of absolute bullshit hypocrites is yesterday uh, you had some journalists being like. Uh, inexplicably, Joe Biden is apparently going to Air Force One and flying to Delaware. Uh, this wasn't on the schedule. What's going on? He he had to go. Apparently, he forgot to vote absentee. <laughs> so the taxpayers have to pay. I think it was like seven hundred fifty thousand. Like God knows how much uh, for him to take a round trip flight. Not to mention the carbon One. cost. Yeah. So like you know, when you've got Kamala and everyone talking about like just buy just buy you know an electric car. This guy's flying a seven forty seven round trip. To go cast his ballot because he, I mean, the guy doesn't know where he is, let alone remember to be able to vote. Right? That's, <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. So this is the this this is the people. These are the people who are calling the shots. You know, they we have to the taxpayers. It's again and again an example of the taxpayers have to suffer because these people are morons. It's the theme that continues through every action, every single piece of legislation that they've passed. It causes pain because they're morons, and it's. All the taxpayers, it's the American people who are made to suffer. Well, and, and, and Biden has just been totally incompetent, obviously, on all of this. Did you see that CNN and MSNBC cut away from his inflation speech? Yeah. C-SPAN, like, didn't even cover it. Because they knew. They're like, they, uh. They know he can't defend it. And at this point, he's, like, half brain dead. Yeah. So, like, you can't put him on video because it's just going to make it worse. It's going to make the Dems, you know, <laughs> yeah. polling even the worse. Only, the only video I saw was, like, you had conservative accounts like Greg Price putting the video out there because like <laughs> every news organization was like don't show this dude. like please go back to yeah. the basement dude <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable uh well let's get to our sponsor for today common sense leadership fund so we've talked about it a lot on the show uh these two bills the american innovation and online choice act and the open mark markets app the Dems are basically trying to codify this censoring of speech in these laws. They're these calling it safe, quote, u- safety. User safety provisions, yeah. you know, where they're going to protect us from ourselves, i.e. target and silence conservative speech on yeah. the Internet. Right. Because, I mean, who's going to be in charge of this stuff? We saw what they tried to do with Nina Jankowitz. Yep. Whenever you give, give the government control of speech on the Internet, it's not good for us. They want a ministry of truth so they can be like, actually, Smug, you are very unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> you are kind of unsafe. <laughs> I have to admit. Um, there's some Republicans who support these pieces of legislation. Again, the American Innovation Online Choice Act and the Open Markets app. Well, and, the, and that's the thing is the reason is. Because the the goal of, of these bills is to punish big tech, which should be punished. To reign in big tech. But the the Dems Trojan horse the damn thing with the safety. Right. Right. Well, there's an update here from Common Sense Leadership Fund that Republican support is waning, specifically Ooh. because of these provisions. That the the minions looks like uh, the minions are making some phone calls. The fans of the Ruthless Variety program are making some phone calls. I think you should keep doing it. Can I just stop you right there? There yeah. is no more powerful force in politics than the minions. Yeah. Seriously. And the, and the listeners of the Ruthless Variety I mean, program. it's just an incredibly motivated grassroots every, group of Americans. Dude, nearly every day we get a DM or an email from somebody being like, hey, I'm making phone calls yep. this cycle for the first time in my life. Thank you for helping me get involved. It really is stunning because, you know, it, it, it makes you... Like, we, we, we do the show. We have fun. We laugh with each other. We, we just... 
but it just it makes you feel like you're a part of something very very special and that's what's happening and i love how the part of this process is so this administration is essentially trying to just suppress the american people they're trying to break their will they're trying to make you accept that the government should control every aspect of your life this is you know the minions i think are embodying the whole thing of just like you find your own power by standing up and speaking for yourself, you know, you 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 you, you exercise your own will, right. and this is a perfect example of it. Is is you know, you had Republican lawmakers who thought, okay, this is punishing big tech, and yes, we're all on board with that. Then the Dems, you know, throw in this like safety provision, and then you know, we get the word out to the minions, and what happens? You get you get you know, people put some put some action in place, and they reach out to these lawmakers, like, listen, do you know about the safety thing? I'm like, holy shit. I don't know about that. Right. But it's not dead yet because Amy Klobuchar has been pushing this really, really, really hard. She campaigned for it uh, when she ran for president in 2020. She really wants to win on this issue, probably because she wants to run for president again when Joe Joe Biden obviously can't. Yeah. Right. But then like last Thursday, I don't know if you guys saw this or remember this, but Klobuchar, um, uh, you know, last Thursday, uh, it basically exposed how important censor- censorship is to these Democrats when she withdrew another one of her own bills. There's this bill, the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. I don't, it was in the Ju- Judiciary Committee for markup. Anyway, so Ted Cruz offers an amendment on this legislation, which simply stated that the antitrust exemption shall not, shall not apply if they engage in any discussion of content moderation policies. Basically, that like this bill can't allow Mm -hmm. these companies or the government to collude to basically suppress conservative speech. And then guess what happens? Oh, well, you know what? We're going to withdraw this bill. I wonder why. Huh. I mean, that gives the game away. Right. That was it all along. But like, this bill is only good if it has our Trojan horse in it. (laughs) It's amazing. Otherwise, there's no point in passing it. Like, that was the whole point the whole time. Unreal. Well, keep your guard up on this stuff, minions. Online choice... Uh, it's the American Innovation Online Choice Act and the Open Markets app. Tell your members of the Senate to not support it. Yeah. Okay. Moving on uh, to a great uh, game that we don't play enough of here in the Ruthless Variety program, but I think with... Holm- Often requested. Yeah, and I feel like with Holmes out, we can't really play King of the Hill today. Mm-hmm. We got to play another game, and that game is How Many Retweets? <laughs> Many retweets. Damn, okay. We even had that in stereo. Like, if you're listening to this on a system, look at Ashbrook, man. It's yeah. going left, left to right across your radio dial. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, we got DJ Ashbrook on the ones and twos. <laughs> Stay um, tuned for traveling weather together on the eighth. So, um, I got a. I, I had to theme this on a topic you'd never want to theme any game on 9 mm-hmm. 11. Uh, uh, just because the the takes were so terrible, it was. I mean, it was. It should never be forgotten because it was a day of just such horror and trauma and just. I mean, it, I will always remember that date on the calendar for for how awful a date was. For right. Me. I and mean, then you, you you spent a lot of time in New York. Yeah, and that's that's a city that never forgot. Like I remember the day Bin Laden was killed. I mean, I just I walked outside. The people just organically, everyone was just like walking outside. And just like cheering and celebrating, like I mean, I mean that is so great. Yeah, that's special. And then for a day like that, like uh, right, every lib was on on Twitter to give the worst take possible. Uh, so I'm going to read three of them, and you have to guess um, how many retweets. And I'll, we'll do it with an over under. And then you know, remember the modification we made to this game. I also tell you how many followers the account has. Mm. 
Um, so tweet number one, this is from Adin Obidala. Mm-hmm. He's a contributor at, Fo- or at uh, CNN, okay. I believe. Take a moment and imagine if after 9-11, bin Laden were allowed to freely travel America spewing lies in an effort to radicalize more people to commit violence in his name. Well, that is exactly why Donald, what Donald Trump is doing since January 6th. Time to arrest Trump. <laughs> How many retweets? The over-under is oh at... Oh, my God. <laughs> over-under is at 500. In, in a just society, he would be ratioed to hell for such a terrible take. I got bad news for you. Bally wasn't. Um, how 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 are we get, how do we submit these to the judge here? Well, Smug typically will turn away, and then you want me to submit first? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and, and by the way, this guy has one hundred forty nine thousand okay, followers. Okay, that's pertinent info. You already submitted. Mm-hmm. All right, that's my guess. Okay, so Smug says lower, and Ashbrook says higher than five hundred. It was 506 retweets. Wow. 506 people were like, yes. I have to Just let it Donald Trump is Bin Laden. Just the, <laughs> the dregs of society. Oh, but man. you know, like the, it triggered. Anytime you say Trump, it just triggers the libs to a point that they will just. They won't. They go crazy. It's because he owned them so hard. Yeah. Exactly he, he, right. he literally broke them all so much. All right. So um, it's one to zero. John Ashbrook leads our game. Tweet number two from Tristan Snell. Oh, God, I know that clown. Yeah, also, uh, I believe, a CNN contributor. Just the worst person with the worst takes daily. And MSNBC. Here it is. September 11th was a terrorist attack. January 6th was a terrorist attack. He tweeted that at 8.07 a.m. He'd been, you know, he'd I'm, been thinking about it for days. And yeah. He's like, as soon as I wake up, I'm dropping Gonna this. Gonna get this out I'm, early. I'm, oh I'm, how many How many followers? He has 284,000 followers. Oh. How the fuck do these people have so it's, many followers? There, there are a lot of people who like shit takes. Can I, can I just, can I just, just for a quick point of clarity for the audience, Smug is the foremost expert on Twitter in yeah, the entire absolutely. country. Um, Tell us the significance of tweeting something a little after 8 a.m. Eastern time. So so the thing is that that's that's essentially kind of like a prime time. Like if you've got a take, if you want to catch fire, that's, that's you know, 8 to 10 a.m. Because right now, you know, if you think about that time of day, that's when the narrative is kind of forming that everyone's going to be fighting right. about and the message that's going to be pushed for the rest of the day. This is like a very pro tip. Um, so if you can get a take established that early – you know, it's it's the message of the day. So a guy with two hundred eighty six thousand followers knows this. Yeah, and he specifically he, did that. He did it. On, he knew what he was doing. He he was like he, he'd probably been germinating for a couple of days of like, right? How am I going to compare September? Right. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm a horrible human. Yeah. And how I want the how most can I benefit? Take. Yeah. How can I get the most engagement off of the worst terrorist attack yeah. in American history? Almost three thousand Americans were murdered. I'm going to exploit the algorithm. I want, to get, I want yeah. to get some retweets. Well, I'm putting the over under at okay. five thousand. Oh, oh God. I just I. I I really hope to God he didn't crack 5K on that. This is my guess. Okay. Smug has submitted his guess. Okay. Over under 5,000 retweets. September 11th was a terrorist attack. I cannot cannot bring myself. I cannot bring myself to vote any other way. Okay. They both picked lower than 5,000. 
I got bad news, folks. No it, way. Over 15,000. What? Serious. Are you kidding me? You got to think about how many people just still live like every day was January 6th. My Over 15,000 retweets. Like to, to my knowledge, only one person was killed. Like a, the Capitol Police officer only shot one person. So the, the body counts like three thousand <laughs> times. Right. And of course, the guy's name is Tristan. Yeah. Tristan Snell. Absolute Tristan. Take. Perfect lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Such a Tristan take. Yeah. Um, okay. Final round here. Ashbrook still leads by one. This is from Leah um, McElrath. Wait, I know her. She's got. That's terrible taste. Brainworms. Yeah, yeah I really bad. I did curate these. You know, I did curate <laughs> these. I went for like you the, went just for like nuclear. Yeah, n- the, nuke, the nuke accounts from the worst people. <laughs> I try. I try to block these people. I can't. I can't read these, or I'll just go nuts every morning. Okay, this is what uh, she tweets uh, at nine fifty a.m. on September eleventh. Twenty years of collective national annual remembrance was enough. She's saying we should stop remembering 9-11. That, that was her take? That was her take. 20 years is enough? Yeah. We should forget about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she tweeted it at... What time did she tweet? Uh, she tweeted it at oh, 9.50 a.m. So that's September in the window, 11. right? That's, that's the, the 8 to 10 window. Yep. She was like, I really got to get this out, folks. I'm done. Victims, tough. How many, how many followers? Oh, man. She's got a lot. She what? has 143,000 followers. 143,000 followers following somebody who tells them to forget about September 11th. Yeah, yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> 20 years is enough. We're, what an insane done. take, dude. Just stop remembering 9 Again, in a just society, that person would be like run off from the internet and society. Right. Imagine okay. somebody from Texas saying, forget the Alamo. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're putting the over-under at 1,000 retweets. Now I've gotten very pessimistic. Like, this game has hurt me. <laughs> okay, I, I, I have my vote. I have my vote. That's fine. Ashbrook says lower. I say higher because Be- I think... Smug has lost all faith in humanity. <laughs> can I, expl- can so I explain bad. my vote? Can I explain my vote? Yeah. I'm saying lower because I think on the first one, the libs see the name Trump and they're like, oh, smash that retweet. Ooh, good thinking. On the second one... They see January 6th, and right. like, yeah, 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 that's the worst thing. Ashbrook's getting it. And then on the third one, I think that people are so yeah, appalled I think he's right. I think by he's the right. suggestion that right. somebody would make to forget about September 11th. Right. They're like, no, nah, man, I'm, I, no, I, can't, but I, I can't even do that. At the same time, like, the libs have really gotten so fucking crazy. Like, there were a bunch of, like, Dems. Who, who were including in their count of the people killed, the terrorists. Yeah. Oh. So, like. I can't yeah. believe. Who's the one that does that? Talib? I know did that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I knew it was one of the one of the uh, squad. Well, feel better about humanity because this only got 70 retweets. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But and still I, those 70 people, what the fuck? But like <laughs> I, I think Ashbrook has 20 really 20 years is enough. That was genius. I think Ashbrook has really hit on something here and that is the same thing that an editor does at a newspaper is they do that keyword stuffing in the They're headline. Like SEO Trump. 
you know, yeah, Trump, January 6th, all insurrection, you know, if they can get that into the headline, they know people are going to click on yeah. it, right? Yeah. And that's why you see it in the social copy that they're tweeting out and everything like that. I think you really stumbled on that. something for the engagement, and that's the reason why she only got 70 retweets. I'm impressed. Ash well, Brooks learning I, a little I, bit about media from me. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, listen, listen, I'm, I uh, keep, keep the pro tips coming. I know our audience loves them. Okay, we got to talk about this because it's going to be a huge huge story yes, and that is. is the choo-choo smug that's right so folks i'm sure by the time you're hearing this the news might start covering this um essentially there is a chance of a not insignificant chance it's a, a, a decent chance personally ballpark at maybe 25 percent. maybe i'm being overly optimistic but i think it's about a 25 percent chance that the united states uh infrastructure in terms of supply chains just completely collapses and that's because uh the railways are about to go on strike, mm. and uh, you, you've seen the Republicans are trying to prevent this from happening. And you know we're, we're recording later today, so we can get all the late breaking information. And uh, just recently, Bernie Sanders was like, "No, do not let Republicans stop this strike." Mm. <laughs> I saw I saw the workers voted against the proposal. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so so that that really increased the odds of this happening. Essentially, what this would mean is that like. Well, we've already heard Amtrak has stopped all long-distance service mm -hmm. in anticipation of this happening. Mm -hmm. um, I got a text message from—I I, want to read this correctly. Do, do, do. Um, this is from a buddy. Uh, I asked, they going to strike or no? He said, uh, doesn't look promising. Our rail partners stopped unit trains today in preparation. Wow. That's uh, from a coal uh, individual. So— the thing is, is that like so much of our transportation right now in the United States depends on rail travel. I heard I, uh, Elaine, former uh, transportation secretary and labor secretary Elaine Chow, was on with Neil Cavuto earlier today, and she said thirty yeah. percent of all of our goods are moving on. Rail. And and also, it's there's like two legs to it because in, you have the initial goods, right? But then they also carry so much of the coal and oil. And you know, this might be breaking news for a lot of those folks in California who are being told not to right. plug in your electric cars. But when you are allowed to plug in your electric cars, you're going to need it coal. comes from coal. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wait. So you're saying you're saying that not only do you plug your car into the wall, that's right, and it comes from coal, but you're saying that the coal has to be shipped from another part of the country <laughs> right. to California. It's unreal. You're so kidding. Like, so like, I know a lot of Californians are like, you know, I can door dash maybe some electricity to my garage. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not how any of this works. Well, uh, things could get even worse uh, by the time you're listening to this on Thursday. Um, tonight, uh, there's a federally mandated cooling off period for contract negotiations. So mm. if these workers uh, in the rail companies don't have a deal, we could be in for a real problem here. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, I like to try to remain somewhat, somewhat optimistic. Um I think it's probably about a 25% chance that the strike happens, and I think it would be it would be calamitous. It would be a horrible, horrible We're, situation. Because it's not just energy. You're talking like ammonia, fertilizer, everything, ag products, Farmers can't ethanol, get grain sh shipments, a, a lot of... I mean, you're talking about, like, the lifeblood of the American And that economy. gums up a lot of stuff going forward. <laughs> so, like, you know, you, initially you think, okay, grocery stores aren't going to have supplies, but then you're talking about, like, if farmers aren't able to get some supplies, that's going to affect crops going forward. Like, right. this is kind of like a... Uh, a kind of a clusterfuck that you can't unwind with any sort of ease. It's not like a light switch they can turn the trains off and on. And, and the effects of this is like if you don't get deliveries to farmers on time, 
you know, crops are dependent on that. Livestock's dependent on that. If they can't have yields that they need to feed America, because that's what our farmers in this country do, you're going to have more problems going forward. Um, this could be a problem. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit <clears throat> from from this article. It's from Politico. It says another shock. The system could be in store for midnight tonight. That's Thursday. Yep. That the end of federally mandated cooling off period for contract negotiations between the right. unions. Uh, if both sides don't come to an agreement, the unions could launch a strike that would shatter supply chains and send the price of everything, food, gas, consumer products, you name it, into the stratosphere. That's that's from the article. Uh, the effects of a strike would be immediate and profound. Amtrak is already canceling service on routes that rely on freight lines and certain shipments for sensitive materials like ammonia, like you mentioned, uh, Duncan, a key ingredient fertilizer, have already been scuttled. Beyond the economic considerations, 40% of the U.S.'s long-haul freight uh, rides the rails. 40%. Oh, 40%. 40%. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Stein from the Washington Post said, if if rail shuts down, our entire agricultural system shuts down. Yeah, that's so it. Here, yep. So here's... And, here. and this is the key line. It says, a nationwide railroad strike could be a massive black eye for Democrats seeking to avoid a drubbing this November. So here, here is my question for you. The President of the United States, Joe Biden, he has famously ridden Amtrak for a lot of years. He famously prides himself on being like a soothsayer to labor. Yeah. How on God's green earth could he let us get to the brink of disaster like you described? Because he's been in Rehoboth Beach every week yeah. taking vacations. I mean, the guy's just I mean, listen, out to lunch. Hunter doesn't have a deal right now with the railways. Mm. And we know, got, maybe we, if he was focused on them instead of China, <laughs> and we got, he would have gotten to Biden's death. We got Mayo Pete talking about how bridges are systemically racist <laughs> yeah. rather than doing anything with the supply and that's chain the wildest thing is like the, the only time this guy showed up to work was to talk about how much he loves the choo-choo trains and right like, now that's the heart <laughs> of the damn problem like this is this is your time to shine <laughs> buddy has he has he come back from his leave yet i don't know where that rat face dipshit is. i don't know where he is dude i hate him has, so much has anyone seen him late like no he no. does a great job of only showing up when he can be like how can I get some media buzz of like, oh, wow, if Joe Biden doesn't run, could it be Pete? And then when she hits the fan, dude just like disappears. Disappears <laughs> like a wisp of smoke. He's like, I don't want my, I don't want any of this stink on me. I, I mean, literally, this, literally. In South I say Bend. this all the time. He was mayor of South Bend. More houses and black neighborhoods were torn down when he was mayor than ever before. And this is the other thing is like everywhere Mayor Pete goes, the price of bread goes up. Like that. this is going <laughs> to exactly be like yet right. again. That's exactly Mayor right. Pete strikes again. Uh, so moving on uh, to a very important topic that is near and dear to the you know members of the Variety program here, the state of the Senate. Mm. Um, on Tuesday, we had our last primary in New Hampshire, where Don Boldock won uh, against. Who was just uh, on the show? He was just on the show. Um, you know he's going to be running against Maggie Hassan here. Uh, terrible. Uh, senator who only won by like a thousand votes last time right and has voted for all this crazy bullshit that is destroying our economy hasn't been held accountable by the media now we finally get a chance to do it in november you'd love to see it she is in bad shape yeah i mean if you look at her numbers uh and you look at that state it looks like a senator uh who is ripe for the defeating in particular because of this last bill that was negotiated by senate democrats where they're going to hike taxes on the middle class and hire a bunch of irs agents eighty-seven thousand. uh it turns out they don't like tax hikes too much in new hampshire did you know this really <laughs> you're kidding and on energy yeah they use a lot of uh fuel oil yeah in new hampshire oh to yeah heat their homes yeah and they're all very very worried about this and the price 
Um, so leading off our discussion uh, of the state of the Senate is the news that Chuck Schumer is transferring 15 million bucks from his own campaign coffers to Democrat senators and candidates in 11 battleground states this fall. That's a quaint total, uh, <laughs> considering that the allied groups, uh, Senate Leadership Fund and One Nation are spending $250 million uh, on the Senate. So uh, Schumer's... That's on the Republican side. That's on the Republican folks. side. These are the groups that are affiliated with uh, uh, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. They're spending uh, $60 million in Georgia. Um, so that's, you know, I guess Schumer's national total is about a quarter of that. Yeah. And, and speaking speaking of Georgia, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, Herschel Walker tweeted out this awesome video. Uh, Warnock has stupidly accepted a debate against Herschel. Oh. Dude, Warner. he was playing oh. Crossroads in the background. Crossroads in the background. I was like, oh my god, this judgment's gone. I was like, we need Herschel so bad. Like, I want him on the show so much. <laughs> He's just the best, man. He's just the best. Um, well, so you got Schumer transferring fifteen million dollars. You got uh, SLF. Uh, Senate Republican Super PAC um, spending what, like two hundred million or something like that? Uh, what is 192. it? One hundred ninety-two million. But there's been a lot of consternation on the Republican side, in particular in conservative media about Arizona. That uh, Blake Masters in Arizona isn't getting the help he needs. A lot of controversy. Yeah, and and this is I think this is a great example of like. Uh, folks trying to steal victory from the jaws of defeat where it's like <clears throat> another prime example just like the way we had Lindsey Graham run out and be like hey make this about me like there the media is consciously trying to push conservatives into this circular firing squad right they're not talking about like Ashbrook just brought up that we're dropping 60 mil in Georgia to help right. and, and what right. was it 40 mil got dropped in Ohio mm. to help JD and the thing is, and you're going to, uh, you you were telling me the statistic about the difference between campaign and super PAC spending. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I think it's important to, to the folks. So I think it's important for people to realize. And if you listen to a lot of uh, political news, um, you know, particularly partisan news, I mean, people obviously follow elections, but they don't necessarily work on them. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand the way that this all works. Now, one of the reasons why it's very, very hard to compete in Arizona with super PAC dollars right now is because of this guy named Mark Kelly, mm-hmm. right? Mark Kelly has a huge small dollar file. The guy raises 10 million, 20 million a quarter. It's absolutely incredible. And if you look at the competitive, the competitive, look, it's, not, it's not all small dollar. The guy raises a lot of money from lobbyists. Right. Anyway, <clears throat> my point is if you look at the competitive report and that is basically a totaling of all political spending um, in the state of Arizona right now, and this is as of right now, um, I'm just reading from it here, from 9-14 to 11-8 election day, Mark Kelly has $9.7 million booked, while Blake Masters has $0 pre-booked at this time. So folks, everybody listening to this show, Minions, when Smug talks about the red wave is not something that's happening, it's something we're doing, Something that we need to do is help Blake Masters. That's right. And 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 here's the real reason why it makes such a huge difference. Because I'm going to send him some money today. Republican I'm send him some money today. Republican super PACs have have eight million dollars reserved for Arizona. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that candidates get lowest rate on television. So a super PAC ad in Arizona might cost 
three times, four times, five times to run in Phoenix than a candidate campaign ad does. So if you're saying, you know, um, the NRSC should be spending more money in Arizona or you're saying SLF should spend more money in Arizona, why aren't Republicans doing more? Realize you wouldn't have to spend nine million dollars to to match Mark Kelly. You might have to spend 30. Yep. It's a totally different calculus because of the lowest candidate rate. This is a candidate who needs help raising money, and we know people who are eager to engage. So, yes, go to Blake Masters' website, chip in, help that guy raise some money. we got to get some help there, putting money on television. So moving on from Arizona, we have great news. Uh, two Senate seats Democrats need to hold. They're losing. This is from Newsweek. Uh, from the article here, two recent Senate midterm polls in key states in Nevada and Georgia both show the Republican challengers leading the Democratic incumbents with less than two months to go. You love to see it. Mm-hmm. In Nevada, the latest Emerson uh, College polling, uh, 8 News Now, the Hill survey. Wow, there's a lot of people on that poll. Survey revealed that the GOP Senate candidate Adam Laxalt is ahead of incumbent Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto, 42 percent to 41 percent. Can I, can I point out the most significant piece of this result 42 percent to 41 percent is that she is an incumbent senator and she's hovering at 41 yeah, she's nine points below 50 that is mayday territory mayday. a big part of the reason why is because she's she's a nothing right she has had her entire career doing nothing and she's got away gotten away with it but this is a cycle where it doesn't look too good to be a generic democrat on the ballot that's exactly what she is. She's a generic Democrat. She votes for everything that Biden wants, and she's at right. 41%. Right. And, and it turns out in Nevada, the economy isn't so hot. Right. And the hospitality industry, the service industry, the people that have been devastated by COVID, they don't forget. No. They don't forget the people that, you know, didn't help them. Also, uh, Herschel Walker has flipped the lead in the most recent poll in Georgia. According to the Insider Advantage Fox 5 Atlanta poll, Walker now leads with 47% over Raphael Warnock's 44%. Another situation, Ashbrook, to your point, where the Democrat is hovering there in the low 40s. And what they're going to find here in November is clawing your way for that last 4, 5, 6% is very, very difficult because you've maxed out intensity among your base. Those people are ready to turn out for you in November, but there's only so many of them. And then you're looking in the crosstabs at what your approval is with independents. You know, or unaffiliated voters or soft Republicans, or you look at Biden's disapproval in your state. Holy shit. It's going to be hard to find that last 5%. And uh, the point that you're making, Michael, um, is one that we've heard from a variety of Democratic friends of ours. And we won't, you know, obviously use names, but here at the Ruthless Variety program, we spend a lot of time talking to everybody. We want to right. stay honest. We want to make sure that we have we have you need to gut check the other side you got a gut check yeah you want to make sure you're not just drinking your own kool-aid all the time you know but the smart democrats know this problem and they're starting to whisper and there are candidates who they're talking to who are like oh i feel pretty good about where i'm at and they're saying don't don't feel so great which you love to hear that you Mm. do you do it really (laughs) it gets you up in the morning all right, so we got more news out of Pennsylvania. You know, we've obviously talked a lot about Sling, Sling, Sling Blade Senator uh, uh, John Fetterman, but um, this is uh, from the Washington Post editorial board, uh, which weighed in, which was, this is incredible. You almost never see this. And the headline is, John Fetterman needs to debate more than once in the U.S. Senate race. Wow. wow. That's wild. 
I mean, did, did you see the size of the goiter on that guy's neck? <laughs> I, uh, so I think he's actually growing another Fetterman. Yeah. It's kind of like, anyone ever see that film Gremlins? Like, if you feed them after midnight, they spill some water, they'll start, like, spawning others. <laughs> I, I think you got little Fetterman gremlins spawning. But, like, a uh, uh, friend of the program, Matt Whitlock, brought this great point where he said, the only date that Fetterman has agreed to debate on, October 25th, is going to be a month after early ballots are already being right. sent out. Mm, that's and, why he's doing it. And and very, and, very good and beyond that, have you heard like the like stipulations of this debate is that they're going to be like live simulcasting on a screen in front of Fetterman the questions that he can be able to read and they're going to give him like time to like think it through. And, right, so he's going to get an, an basically an additional 30 seconds to read the question, not listen to the moderator, and get more time to collect himself and have an answer, basically. And, and you know, like, the moderator is going to be told, hey, listen. Speak slowly. you got to take it easy on this guy. I mean, this is, compl- if you have to have a situation like that, for God's sake. Drop out of the race. Drop out of the damn race. Like, if you're not capable to serve, get the hell out of the race. I want to welcome everybody to the Pennsylvania Senate debate. Our first question is for Mr. Fetterman. Mr. Fetterman, could you please count backwards from 100 by 7? <laughs> <laughs> I love the one that Luke has. Draw a clock. Draw a clock. Draw a clock. <laughs> um, okay, so reading from this story, and some of this is touching on the points that you made here, Smug, but after, you know, this is from the article. After suffering from a stroke in May, Mr. Fetterman was off the campaign trail for three months and, was, and has campaigned little since then. He held a rally Sunday. Do- Mr. Oz, they should have Dr. Oz in here, has pressed for five debates, but Fetterman dodged and ducked before tentatively agreeing last week to one, but not until, quote, sometime in the middle to the end of October. That's well after September 19th when voters can start casting mail-in ballots, and it's short of the two debates that had been standard during recent competitive Senate contests in Pennsylvania. Since returning to the campaign trail, Mr. Fetterman has been halting in his performances. He stammers, appears confused, and keeps his remarks short. Yikes. Mm -hmm. He has held no news conferences. Mr. Fetterman acknowledges his difficulties with auditory processing, which make which make I mean, it like, hard for him to like, respond quickly. The way that they are like e- even described as like auditory processing. Like right. he, come on, man. You think they would ever give Republicans this kind of like a description like He hey, can't do the job. It's like the same way that they played with Joe Biden. They're like, it's not that he's fucking a hundred years old and his brain is rotted out. It's uh he has a stutter. He problem. has a stutter. That's that's the problem. Yeah. And, and anybody who thinks we're being too harsh on this guy who is running for the United States Senate. There are 100 Senate seats in the entire world, and they're very important. Anybody who thinks we're being too harsh, I would direct your attention to a former senator named Mark Kirk. He was a Republican Mm -hmm. from Illinois, and Democrats were brutal on him every single day, questioning whether he was up for the job. Well, you know what? We're going to do the exact same thing to big boy, Sling Blade. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, We got more news on Fetterman here, and this is wild. It's particularly wild because uh, Fetterman had attacked Oz for being successful and owning a a couple homes or something. I can't remember exactly what the hit was. Anyway, turns out old John Fetterman has some properties he failed to disclose. Eight of them. Eight. Pittsburgh worth over $100,000, a watchdog group revealed. Eight properties? Yeah. He's like, listen, I forgot I had a property. Okay. Yeah, my family family gave me one one for a dollar. All right. All right, Scrooge McDuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right, eight properties, all right? It got me. Eight, 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 eight properties. properties. I was reaching around in the couch cushions, pulled out some properties. <laughs> eight properties. I just forgot. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's part of his allowance. I mean, like, the, the, for him especially, and this is another example, is he tried going hard in the paint about this. Okay? Yeah, he did. Oz he is did. an immigrant. He came here. He literally wrote the book on open heart surgery. The guy is a, a, a brilliant surgeon, right? Made something of himself and, and has, has, has gotten to enjoy the, the you know, the, the earnings that he has accumulated. And, and he tried to make a point of it, you know, being like, oh, wow. You've, you've got some houses, huh? Uh, well, this rough. guy now, all of a sudden, he's got <laughs> eight pack of properties you forgot about. Just look at my gym shorts. Don't ask about my properties. Yeah, casual eight pack of properties. Oh, wow. Well, um, I think that's it for our Senate roundup here. We have to get to this. We got tagged in this story probably 200 times. Yeah. <laughs> because the minions saw kangaroo news and they said the fellas got to see this. They're like animal fighting. So, folks, we have the battle for Australia. There were the emu wars. Now the kangaroos are on attack. The headline is Australian man killed by kangaroo in rare fatal attack. This is from the AP. A man who may have been keeping a wild kangaroo as a pet was killed by the animal in Southwest Australia, police said Tuesday. I mean, live by the sword, die by the sword. It was, report- <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was reportedly the first fatal attack by a kangaroo in Australia s- since 1936. I mean, that's a lie, dude. That actually surprises me. I don't believe that. There's some suppression going on. 100%, dude. dude of course are- they take the people's guns. Of course they're not going to tell them the kangaroos are out here bodying Right! <laughs> God, who the kangaroos PR team because they are they are good. What about all those guys that died in the ring boxing kangaroos? <laughs> They're just erasing so them from history. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a star on the wall. Unbelievable. <laughs> More from the story here. It was believed that he had been attacked earlier in the day by the kangaroo, which police shot dead. Because it was preventing paramedics from reaching the injured man. Which is wild. So here's the thing. That's wild. He was like proud of his kill. There's got to be a lot to this story. Yeah. There's got to be a lot to the story because when they present it like that, like typically a difference between humans and animals is animals aren't malicious for the most part, right? Like Dolphins are. Well, they're they're bastards. It's yeah. Bastard animal. Kangaroos aren't typically known to be just like <laughs> vengeful, vindictive animals. Yeah. So, so what was this guy up to? The I think- kangaroo bodies him and was like... No, so the corpse I, is mine. I have a theory. I have a theory here. Remember we read that story about the crackhead who was feeding crack to his squirrel to make yeah, an attack squirrel? Yeah, yes, yes. I think we have a similar situation here. That that basically, this is a Frankenstein situation. Oh he created God, an so attack right. kangaroo, and the kangaroo got him, and then turned around and, and was like, who's next? And he, well, well he, he, he must have taught him that, like, don't let anyone get the body for forensics. You know what I mean? <laughs> here's here's the thing in this story, fellas. The unsung hero is the cop who shot. Yeah, him. <laughs> give that guy, give that guy a certificate for marksmanship because these kangaroos are bouncing, they're that's jumping, jumping, jumping. It's not easy to level a rifle and point it at something that's jumping. And I guess that's a lesson for the folks in Australia. A good guy with a gun. That's you know, might be able to save the day. That's right. If yeah. Only, that, if only that guy had a gun. Right. Maybe the kangaroo wouldn't have aced him. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Heck of a story. <laughs> so on that happy note, let's get to our interview today. We got Mark Ronchetti running for governor in New Mexico. I want to welcome to the program Mark Ronchetti. How are you? Uh, boys, I, uh, I'm honored. I'm really honored to be here. I'm not kidding. I'm actually a big fan of the show. 
This is fantastic. I, I, I do want to say I, I appreciate Holmes showing up too. How did I get you two guys? And then Holmes, Holmes is on the Smug road. is gone. Like yeah. he can't even take some time. Yeah. Well, we're out there trying to make the red wave happen. No, just no, like tell you. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah. It's a battle, no doubt. No, I appreciate it, guys. Ashbrook Duncan, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for coming in to our humble abode here. We, it is. We it is nice. It. I, I got to admit, I thought we we're going to be in some closet somewhere, and you guys were going to be, you know, you're going to, you know, have like Cheeto stained fingers, putting, you know, putting <laughs> work in the board. And this is this is legit. We're 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 big league now. Yeah. No. There's you no know? doubt. You can as tell some, when you walk in. As someone who has a background in, in yeah. television, I'm yeah. just I'm I'm. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah. Well, yeah. it shouldn't, but yes. <laughs> because if you have a background in TV, what you know is that it's all a facade. It's all a joke, right? You're just like, it's all fake. So now now you know. And now you guys are in on the secret. So yeah. it's good. But you've come bearing gifts. I have, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we were looking, so we were thinking about some Taos Lightning bourbon mm-hmm. for you guys which out of Taos, New Mexico, uh, which, uh, by the way, not one of my counties. Uh, yeah, we're going to tr- have some trouble in there in Taos. Uh, you know, it's like, it makes Santa Fe look like conservative. But, uh, we decided to go, uh, you know, with Bib and Tucker. Oh, very nice. Is is it? Yeah. Okay, because like the literally, we, we went to a place like right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And this guy's like, I'm like, do you have anything like different? Like, I can't walk in here and just hand him another Woodford. You know, nobody can do that. And he's like, oh, try this Bib and Tucker, and you know it's on special. And so I'm thinking, he's like, oh, I'll give you a real good deal. So then we go online, check the price. You need to give me a good deal. No, it ripped me off. And I'm like, that DC. Always trying to get over DC. But anyway, gentlemen, want to give you that. So I appreciate you appreciate having us. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so big race. Yeah. No, the governor's race in New Mexico this year is big. There's there's no doubt. It's been it's been tight for the better part of uh, eight months, uh, back and forth within the margin of error. We're up a little bit, down a little bit. It's right there. And, and it's a huge opportunity. If you go to the state of New Mexico, you can't help but love it. It's a beautiful state, a great place to be, but it's been failed by its governor who has been, you know, she takes her cues from Gavin Newsom in California and D.C., major lockdowns you know we lost 40 percent of our small businesses in covid it just killed and you sit there and watch it and you see the people of the state and they're so great and then you see what's happened with leadership and leadership that doesn't even care to represent anybody anymore their their point is shut up do it our way and we'll you know and, and everything will be fine just give us your vote. And the fact of the matter is people in New Mexico are frustrated with it. And we're seeing that in our campaign. We got a great shot to win. So we feel good about it. There's no doubt. Man, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, the COVID issue, I'm glad you said that because I think we're we're not even close to turning the corner on the COVID issue and the long-term impacts of it. You look at things like homelessness and crime. I know that's a big issue in, yeah. in New Mexico right now. We're just starting to really get our arms around how bad this can get. I, I agree. And then you talk about our kids. Yeah. So New Mexico's 51st in education now that they count D.C. Jeez. We stayed out of school the six most days in the country. Wow. So, of course, we have a plan to get them back caught up, don't we? No. <laughs> we yeah. don't. You go to Arizona, see what Ducey's doing in Arizona. He's got them in summer programs to catch kids up right. nothing like that in new mexico mm-hmm. you go and look at what happened to our small businesses and losing as many of them as we have that there's no plan there to help them out and so what you eventually started to realize here is this governor wasn't concerned with what was happening in covid what was she was concerned with was her own political future mm-hmm. and so she bought into a maximum lockdown philosophy well if you go and look at our kids now we have 76 child psychologists in the state of new mexico total mm. in the whole state 
we've got doctors fleeing the state in droves because mm. we make it easy to sue them and hard for them to do business. And so we have no ability to be able to start to bring people back again. And when you lock things down like that and, and you ignore really the science, and that's the thing that's so infuriating because after a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, we knew that lockdowns were, were a much bigger issue than they were letting on. And, and she just kept on going and i think the most frustrating thing is you have somebody in this governor and michelle lujan grisham who decides i'm going to give you a set of rules and you're going to live by them and then i'm going to do whatever i want right i mean the same same as gavin newsom yeah yeah, absolutely that's right if they had to live by the standard in which they require of us they would never do it right they would never do it i mean you shutting down all the small businesses and literally she she goes to a jewelry store and goes jewelry shopping Tells them to open, goes jewelry shopping, and then goes back home. It's unbelievable. You can't get together with your family. But yet she goes and brings people to the governor's residence and has a party Wagyu beef and booze. Ugh, that, it's like Marie Antoinette. Oh, it, you know? Eat it up. It eat re- up the cake. It, yeah. it, it reminds me of that Nancy Pelosi story. Remember when she made the hairdresser open up to give her a haircut? You remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, no. You couldn't leave your house. Yep. But Nancy... Pelosi needs her hair did. Yeah, no, and and you see that, and and it's so infuriating yeah. because it's one thing if somebody says we're in this together and they're grinding it out with you, and you know, because I think everybody had some grace when we started COVID to say I don't know, right? You know, I don't, we don't totally know. We've never been through this, and then slowly that grace fades away as you realize there's a different set of priorities here and they're trying to accomplish something very different and we ended up you guys we're sixth in death in COVID Jeez. per capita we're sixth mm. and so you look at this and it did not work so then when you look at our education system last we're second most violent state in the country and, and we have and we make it really difficult to do business so those things are hard but yet we still have so much potential and a chance to fix this thing right now and that's why we're so optimistic about it we can clean up our streets we can absolutely educate our kids better and get more money in the classroom and we can make doing business easier, but not with this governor, not this way. So second in violent crime, what you're saying is that she's very supportive of law enforcement. In the oh, state. <laughs> she's very supportive of making their job as difficult as possible. Yeah, it's 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 weird. So two years ago, they go, her and the state legislature decide, okay, let's go ahead and take away qualified immunity from police officers. Okay, great call. So now you can't recruit anybody. So in the city of Albuquerque, we have, what, 350 officers? We need 700. Well, you can't get them. And if you're a police officer, right, and are, are you going to go into the most dangerous scenarios now? Of course not. No. Of course not. No. You're going to turn your car around, go around the corner. It is hard on these officers. And we're also, there's a couple other things. We're a sanctuary state. Mm-hmm. No cash bond. Yeah. So, so we're turning them right back out on the street. Jeez. So it's all of these things together. And she is still releasing people from prison early Mm. just turning them back out so if you look at where she is right now and you look at the prison population our violent crime is up 30 percent in her term the overall prison population is down 20 percent this is the playbook let them out right and the people who pay the price are hard-working families who can't go when we were all growing up Mm. you'd get on your bike and you'd ride to the store in too many parts of new mexico now you can't do that Mm. So how do we tell our kids, hey, we're looking out for you when you're doing this? And so that part of this is is why we, I think we've gotten so much momentum because people, these are not partisan issues. I don't no. care what party you're from. 
You know, that doesn't matter. Like, th- this is all about people who are not looking out for the best interests of the people they're staying. Well, and, 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 you know, crime affects everybody and people have personal stories. You guys shared one of yours in right. an ad recently. Of course, you got nothing but guff from the media and the Democrats about it. Right. And, and a couple of Republicans, apparently. I thought it was a great ad. Yeah. And I think, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was working at uh, Channel 13 one night and uh, my I get a text on my phone and, and and my wife Christy is at home with our two girls who were two and three at the time. Yeah. And or three and four at the time. And, and says, There's someone in the house. And so I'm about to go on the air, do the weather. Yeah. And when you look at a text that says, There's someone in the house, I'm like, well, You and the girls or who else? You know, what? And so, and then eventually we end up on the phone and she's, she's just like, You've got to get home as quickly as you can. I'm I'm in the closet. I've got the gun pointed at the the mm. door. Come home. Jeez. And so what ended up happening was Christy was sitting there one night and, uh, the the doorknob so our, our great room basically just faces out the front door mm-hmm. and you see the doorknob shaking on the front door mm. she goes oh my gosh so she goes running upstairs grabs the girls as she's doing that she hear she see she looks out on our deck which looks down onto the onto the main level yeah and, and she sees them come in the back door mm. and so she's oh like okay God. it's on now this is your worst nightmare yeah it's exactly what in, in your work you know because I, I would work you know i worked what two to ten or two yeah. to eleven doing doing meteorology stuff so um, so she goes and goes, gets the girls, goes into the closet, grabs a pistol out of the out of the safe that we have in our in our bedroom or in our uh, in our closet, and, and she shuts the door, aims it at the door, calls nine one one, and has me on the cell phone, and then nine one one on the home phone, and she's just going through instructions, you know, from the police department saying, "What do I do?" And they said, "If that door opens, you unload, mm-hmm. yeah. because we'll tell you if it's a cop." But right now, it's not a cop. And so the cops did a good job. They got there in 11 minutes. And part of our point in doing the ad was this happened 10 years ago. Right. But it's gotten worse, not better. Right. So you look at where we are now. Yeah, the qu- the question is, what if it was today? They, I think... In an environment where we are now, yeah. where you've got people, like your opponent, demonizing the police. You got that candidate, Gabe Vasquez, in New Mexico, too, saying yeah. he wants to deconstruct the police department slash right. budgets, all sorts of things. Yep. What if that 11 minutes is 21 minutes? It, 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 or it doesn't happen at all. Right. You know, honestly, Duncan, that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. They, and it's not because the police don't want to show up. It's because they're overwhelmed. Yeah. And they get to a point where every they're just running one call to another. And, and when you look at where we are, I think there's a very good chance they may not have shown up. And it's not because they don't care. It's because they can't. They don't have the time. And so that's one of the things that we, the point we made is that it's getting worse. And again, you can have the left sit here and make all the excuses that they want because I think it's the far left. There are plenty of good Democrats who say, this has to stop. Right. I mean, this is craziness. But we're not seeing that from the far left. The far left is like, oh, well, Michelle wasn't governor. I'm like, yeah, she wasn't governor. I don't care if she's governor. It's much worse now than it ever was then. Yeah. And, and so as we continue to look at this, you know, you look at in Albuquerque last week, you guys probably didn't hear about this. There were a million fentanyl pills seized in the south part of Albuquerque last week. Wow. A million. So not only that, they went and asked the guys who did it, who were part of a, a drug cartel mm-hmm. out of Mexico. They mm-hmm. said, why are you here? Like, what, what's going on here? And they said two things. One, which is ridiculous, but they said the cost of living's lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, I guess they're businessmen, whatever. <laughs> uh, and then number two, we can be ourselves here. We can do what we want to do. That's the quote. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. And so these, so these guys just set up shop, and here they go. And we set up murder records in Albuquerque last year. We're on pace to set up another record murder year. So until we change direction and realize that you can't keep doing what we're doing, 
this stuff's going to continue. And there's no reason to believe this governor has any interest in stopping it. If you go look at who her biggest donors are, it's trial attorneys. Mm. Like these guys are bought in and the trial attorneys run our legislature. And so when they do this, you try to overturn what we call catch and release. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. And she wouldn't do it or couldn't do it either way. But the minute we get in there, we're going to put up a citizen's bill of rights, which is we're going to end catch and release and nothing's going through the legislature until we do it. So we will veto everything. You, you can take my own budget and try to pass it, and I won't sign it. Until you bring us an end to catch and release, stiffening penalties for violent criminals, and, and making sure we return qualified immunity to our police officers so we can recruit them again. Boy, that really sounds like a good plan. Well, I mean, it's, is it? I mean, honestly, Ashbrook, when you look at it, I feel like we should make a t-shirt that says, we won't do dumb things. Right. How about that? <laughs> no! Everybody. This guy's brilliant. It's crazy you know? that common sense isn't something that everybody can get behind yeah. today. But like you said, it's like these Democrats are completely captured by the far left. You know, and, and and in recounting that story about the fentanyl and this trafficking that comes across, you know, our southern border and yep. everything, you know, that the far left says, you know, sanctuary cities and, you know, you know, we should just open the border up. And then and then uh, Abbott, Governor Abbott in Texas starts busing up right. folks to D.C. and Philadelphia and New York and suddenly they have a problem with it yeah. now yeah. Now that it's in their backyard. Did if they had to live one day having to deal with the fentanyl problem at the border, they'd have a much different opinion. Did you guys have a, a an official here as a some sort of politician here who said we're now a border city or what it what, what, what oh, the, so, oh the, it was the, it was the former mayor of Philadelphia is that what it is? and he right. literally went to court to make sure they were they stayed a sanctuary city and he did this weird dance where he celebrated that they were a sanctuary city. I love to see him dancing now. Yeah. You I know? like that. How's yeah. that taste? <laughs> yeah, it just, it just, it's, it, it is so ridiculous. And, and even, so we're a border state too. We have 180 miles of border. You ever hear about New Mexico? No. No, no, no. We pulled the National Guard. We've got fentanyl coming up through the state at staggering rates. We're losing one to two people a day to fentanyl overdose. And this governor's doing nothing about it. We're 600 border agents short. Do we really think Biden is, is on the queue to take care of that one? I mean, he's with, uh, yeah, come on, really? So we have to address that issue as well. But you just don't hear about it because she's doing nothing and, and continuing to let that flow up through the state. And the press will just cover for her. Oh, oh it's, uh, it's staggering. You know, and I never, you know, I always want to attribute the best to, to people as you can. But it is amazing to watch the press in, in wide sections of New Mexico cover for power. I mean, it takes no guts to sit there and, and cover for power. But that's right. what they do. They right. cover for power. It, it, it really is a shame. I mean, we've seen this in a lot of other states where they are tough on Republicans. They cover for Democrats. It's, it, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And there are so many re good reporters and editors who have the best intentions that are out there for the right reasons. Yeah. But in just too many cases, it really feels like they're putting the thumb on the scale for the other side. And that's how you get a situation where these Democrats are in power and they feel like they're not accountable to yeah, anybody right. so they can do whatever they want. That's right. Fentanyl goes up, crime goes up, doesn't yeah, matter. Nobody's going to write about it. Nobody's going to hold my feet to the fire. I can do whatever I want. Couldn't agree more. And, and, and I do think, though, something interesting is, is going to happen in that respect, though. Because when you haven't been held accountable, there are still people who don't know about what you've done. And in a way, that would have already been litigated, right? right? Like if you had gone through and said, oh, well, the governor did X, Y, and Z, when there are plenty of those things that the governor's done that people don't totally know about yet, that they're going to find out about.
And so in a way, there's an opening there to educate people on exactly what's happening. But where the media used to fill that role, now the campaign has to. Yeah. And, and that's tougher, as you guys know. You know, being in this business, you know, getting that information out and doing it effectively and, and from a source where people will say, okay, I get it, I understand it, I buy it, here's where it is. So that that's part of this process too, that I do think especially this governor has never been in a tough fight in her life in, in an election. And I think, so she's reacting that way where she's, she kind of goes back and forth and is all over the place. And really some of our best entertainment is watching her Twitter account <laughs> because you just go, Oh my gosh, did she tweet that? Or did, so my daughter and Ella and I do something called mean tweets. So we sit down and, and, and Ella, oh, yeah, I've will, seen this. This is very good. Yeah, no, very she's, good. Uh, she's, she's good. great. Yeah, yeah. She's so we, we give her a curated list. Of yeah. tweets. <laughs> As you guys know, turns out they don't like me on Twitter. <laughs> so, um, so, so we give her a curated list and we used to go through all these other people. Well, we just started focusing on the governor. Because it's just like her tweets are, are nuts. And so one of them, she she just, she literally said, we, we put out an economic plan. And her tweet was, dude has been copying my homework. In other words, saying that that we're going to take on policy she's already done. And I was like, and my daughter's like, is she in seventh grade? Yeah. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> like, what is she saying? And so you see so many of these things that, that you watch them react. And I think that they are so unaccountable. It really is terrible. And so if we can get to the point where we're able to run the kind of campaign where we get that word out, which we have. I mean, we're going toe to toe now. And, and, you know, she had a $3 million advantage on us to start the general. And that has, poof, gone away. It's gone away because she's really bad with money. <laughs> and then also that we have a groundswell of support that is just much broader in the state of New Mexico than she does. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That is great to hear. You know, I love New Mexico. I've been there a couple of times. Love Rio Dosa. Yep. You got to explain the hatch chilies thing to me because yeah. it's in everything. Cornbread, yeah. Yeah. Every, everything you eat has got hatch chilies. Yeah. Chili, so explain that to me. Well, so one of our best crops is green chili. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's grown in the Hatch Valley. Yeah. Which is sort of north of Las Cruces, uh, that area. And it is... It's unbelievable. It really yeah. is. And, and so it's a it's a green chili that can be sort of grown in different types of spice levels. You know, you get, you know, basically, it, it, you know, mild all the way up to really pretty hot. Hmm. And, and it's tremendous. It really is. And it's it's one of our most, I think, one of our best exports. It's tremendous. And, and so we do. We put it in all kinds of stuff. I mean, and so every fall is when you yeah. harvest it. And then they get the big roasters out. And so what will have, they'll chuck it all in a huge kind of bin and then you roast it over an open flame and then you go put it in bags and you, and you take it home. You then, you know, basically get it all in these smaller bags. So it lasts you throughout the rest of the year. So I, we were out in the hatch uh, parade a couple weeks ago and I went and got three huge bags, brought them home to my wife, and she's like, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> like, how am I going to fit all this in the fridge? Meanwhile, I'm like chucking uh, sides of beef to put the hatch chili yeah, in there. there you I'm go. like, listen, trust me, we can get some beef somewhere. But now you go to get beef, and it's like, well, you better get out a second you know, line of credit on your house. But but you know, you know, just – so the chili is is tremendous. It, it really is. And, and and I moved to New Mexico in 1998, so I had never had green chili, and but I've spent my whole adult life there now, and it's – it is great. Oh, I, I, mean, I, I love them. You know, it's uh, it was easy to get Christmas presents there. You just you can go into any gift shop and you can get like 
10 hot sauces at various levels of spice, you know, mm-hmm. of hatch chilies. Yeah. And you can get, get all of it. Oh, it's great. And then the culture, too, is one of the things that makes it such a unique state. Yeah. Because there's so much cool culture, whether it be the Native, you know, so many different Native American cultures. And then, you know, all across northern New Mexico, you know, just such a deep culture. And the Hispanic culture in the state is really, really cool. It, it's great. And, and so if you spent time in Rudo, so by the way, calling it Rudosa is yeah. with an A. Very yeah. well done. Well Thank done. You. Yeah, Thank it's you. like program. It's well done. <laughs> <laughs> This guy knows. I know. Uh, well, it's funny. I've been on. I've been on a TV program for my you know entire yeah, adult yeah. life, and I didn't know I was saying it wrong the whole time. <laughs> I was like, Gosh, it's program. Dang it! Uh, but uh, but it's it, it, there's so many great you know parts of New Mexico that that I think the people are great. They're just not well served by what's happened. Yeah, you know, I've also spent some time in Roswell. My my wife and I, I gotta admit this, we're we're kind of alien buffs. Yeah. You know, shout out to Dennis Balthazar, who gives the best alien tour in Roswell, New Mexico. (laughs) That's Uh, a fact. (laughs) He's number one on Yelp. That is an actual actual fact. That I believe. Yeah. Um, The one thing that struck me about Roswell, maybe you have a take on this as well. Um, You know, I walked around, didn't really, I'd never been there before. And and I was asking people like where to get food and everybody was just like, go to Peppers. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. Well, what's the deal? What's the deal with that? I don't, I don't want to. I don't want Bigfoot you here. Okay. All right? Because I know this is well-intended on your part. You got to go to Antigua. Okay. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I will. I would argue it's the best restaurant in New Mexico. Wow. Yeah, it's that good. It's that good. Pepper's is good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Right in downtown Roswell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's good. And then, by the way, if you want to go like McDonald's, there's like an alien McDonald's there, too. Like, that's yes. all like, tricked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody. yeah. It's got like a UFO. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Stick so it good. right in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Snowburger. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy who put that together. Um, but no, if you go to Antigua, I mean, it it is so good. Yeah. And so... We went there a, a couple of months. I mean, every time we go in, we have to go to Antigua. Mm. But if you get the the prime rib tacos, it you got to do it. Oh man! I mean, they're sounds, so good. It, it really is. No, and Roswell's a Roswell's a great town. There's so many towns like that in southern New Mexico. Roswell, Carlsbad, Artesia, Hobbs, Lovington. These are great towns, in, and all up into Clovis, and mm-hmm. so many great towns in New Mexico. And I think a lot of these small towns feel like, wait a minute, we've been forgotten. And you see that. That's the divide, right? You guys right. see it all the time. You you have the suburban, you know, or the the big city kind of left looking out for that corridor. And then there's nothing done to try to boost business and help those small towns that we have across New Mexico or whatever, whatever state it is, we well, all have them. And I feel like COVID made that disparity worse. even worse. Yeah. Even yeah. worse. Yeah. For the for the people of America who couldn't work on Zoom, yeah. you know, the people who are insulated from the reality of things like the service industry, hospitality industry, you know, they, they didn't have to show up to do that job in person every single day. Yeah. And those people are still struggling in this country. Yeah. No, they are. And in, in, especially these restaurant owners yeah. who are the targets. There's some friends of ours who own a restaurant in Kirtland, New Mexico. And, and it's and it's a it's a great little mom and pop restaurant. It's been there for years. So so as COVID hit, they did everything they could to move everybody outside. But because of where they are in northwestern New Mexico, they have a huge Navajo population that comes in and loves the restaurant and Farmington population that comes in. And so they tried to stay open and the governor shuts them down. Mm. And so they go back and forth and they get so crossways that A, they get fined $5,000 a day just to, just because they're trying to serve people food who are dying to come in. Governor ends up in one of the big SUVs that we all pay for, rolls up to the front of the restaurant and starts taking pictures of them serving food. What? The governor of the state of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So 
So on top of all of it, she's also a narc. Yeah, right. (laughs) It just just shows you a mentality, right? A mentality of wag the finger in the face, do what I tell you, and shut up. And that's the thing I think people have had enough of. If you go anywhere in any town across New Mexico, the one thing they'll tell you, and I don't care what party you're in, nobody listens. They do what they do and want us to conform. They think we work for them, and that's what has to stop. Oh, that is just the 180 degree wrong attitude. Yeah. I mean, it makes you so upset. Oh, makes you so upset. And they like barely made it through. And, and their daughter at the time, uh, they had just lost their daughter at the time. Oh. So, and they're just trying to get. I mean, literally, there are people lined up just trying to get some food, just saying, "Hey, please, can you do this?" And literally, they're they're taking PPP money just to be able to pay their employees to right. keep things going. And look, it's one thing to look out for for everybody's safety. We knew we had to do that. But you don't have to be punitive at the same time. And there has to be a balance. And there has to be some humility. I just don't think she has any humility and, and realizes day in and day out that she's going to do what she's going to do and be damned with anybody else who gets in her way. Well, and, and, and then after COVID, and we finally turned the corner on that and these small businesses that survived are still around. And at the federal level, all we've seen is... You know, inflation out of control. Uh, we're going to raise your taxes. All of this stuff just making it worse for that small business owner in a place like that. Oh, and here's the thing that's crazy about what's going on with with not only buy. Well, you see what happened with inflation. Yeah, there was a party yesterday at the White House. Is that right? Oh yeah, oh, celebra- we're celebrating a celebration. Is that what we're doing. <laughs> Dows down cool a thousand points. There? I thought cool. I forget James Taylor. Where's cool in the gang? Yeah. You know, and you're just like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And then, and she was there, by the way. Uh, Michelle Luan Grisham was at the big celebration. And and so here's what's amazing: State of New Mexico's budget is 40 percent bigger than it was when she took over. It's 8.5 billion dollars. We have two a two billion dollar surplus because we're a huge oil and gas state. We're the yeah. second largest producer of oil and gas in the country. There's another 2.5 billion on the way. Okay, for surplus dollars. Meanwhile, you have people in the state who can't get to the end of the month. The average income in our state is $30,000 a year. But if you make more than $24,000 a year, you pay the second highest tax rate. 5% of your income goes to the state, and you're at the poverty line. So the state, the riches in the state and and the way they protect the government versus sticking it to low-income and middle-income families who are trying to build a business is staggering. She will look out for government before she'll look out for people. And and that's the part of this that's so infuriating. And and you see so many families struggling. So that's one of the things we propose. We're saying, look, you got to cut, number one, if you make less than $100,000 a year, cut your tax rate in half. Mm -hmm. Put that money back in your pocket. You've got to get to the end of the month. The government of the state of New Mexico has more money than it knows what to do with. So stop setting these things up so that the government does well and people wonder, what does it do for me? Because if you ask any average New Mexican, they'll tell you things aren't better than they were four years ago. The government's not more responsive now that they have more money. They're less. <laughs> right. You know? She, right. She sounds like she might be the worst governor in the entire country. I, I think as far I think the problem is and, and look. Whitmer's like, hold my beer. But yeah. I still, or Newsom's like, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch it, Ashbrook, because I'm over here on the West Coast. So I, I will tell you, I, I don't know, but I will tell you, as far as looking out for the people of your state and doing what, what benefits them most, that's what, it just bums you out because you watch and you go, so we have to do something. And, and that's why I gave up my career. I mean, I can't go back. I, like, I'm not going back on the air after this. Like, there's no way that's happening. Well, I heard she tried to pull you off the air. She did, yeah. So I ran for Senate in 2020. Yeah. Um, we got close, but didn't quite get there. And so 
I go back and I'm, I'm working at KRQE, which is the CBS and Fox affiliate in, in New Mexico, which I had done for 16 years. And uh, she starts sending letters in February. I got back in January. Uh, and she goes and starts sending letters. And she's uh, she's like, through the DGA, through the Democratic Governor's Association, <laughs> some pointy-headed lawyer writes up a thing and says, uh, we see Mark Ronchetti's back on the air. And we strongly suggest you pull him off or we're going to sue you for equal time when he runs against Michelle in 2022. Mm. And so, and we had no intention of running at that time. And also, you like you were like doing the weather, yeah, right? and, and yes, and, and you're know, talking I, about I, cloud systems. Well, we're not exactly talking about inflation, right? Right? You know? Right? And I didn't like sneak in like, hey, uh, partly cloudy skies here. Michelle Luan Grisham is killing us on inflation. <laughs> you know, you're just like so. No, none of that, right? And in fact, we weren't going to run. Like it was not that was not even a thought process. But at a certain time, when someone comes in, it's, she's a bully. Yeah. So it's like she thinks she can bully her way to do whatever she wants, and she's this weird combination of completely incompetent and completely sure of what she's doing. And you know, usually the it's worst, one of the, the worst, worst kind of right. It's the worst because you're like, wait a minute, you don't know what you're doing, and you think you're the expert on everything. You think you're doing great. Yeah. You're like, this is fantastic. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, like the kitchen's on fire. What are you talking about? And so. So that at a certain point you you start saying we need to do this yeah you know she, she sent multiple letters like that from the dga trying to get me fired so it, it just gives you an indication again you take the picture of the restaurant you try to get somebody fired you know you, you go and you're accused of of you know abusing your staff i mean that's that's stuff that's all happened and is out there and so it's just a matter of making sure that we get our message out there and, and we're doing that now and and we're in a great position to win. That's what I think that's what we're most excited about. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's great. Well, we we have three questions. As Big you know, questions. That we ask every guest on the program. I've been preparing for this moment my whole <laughs> campaign. Go ahead. All right. So uh, the first question, yeah. um, you know, if you weren't meteorologist, if you weren't in politics, um, what would you be doing with your life? Isn't that the second question? I like doing it as the first. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, I thought the meal was the first question. Oh well, okay. Well, we talked. We talked. Well, I was not, guys. If it's not right to script, I okay. can't do it. <laughs> so I think you guys got to calm down. Okay. Well, we'll do food first. Uh, last meal on earth. What would uh, it be? Yeah. No, we'll go with. Uh, I, I. I'm going to go with probably um, tenderloin. Okay. You know, like a like a grilled tenderloin with uh, green chili mashed potatoes. Wow. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, salad and then uh and then we'll do some sort of uh dessert. I don't know what it what it's going to be, but it uh but yeah, no, the green chili mashed potatoes are killer. Especially when you get the really spicy green chili and mix them in. Yeah. It's incredible. Wow. Okay. Well, now we can get to the oh, other okay, yeah. question. Right. <laughs> if you weren't, <laughs> we're gonna blue sky this thing. <laughs> <laughs> he really listened. I told you, kidding <laughs> me? All right. Well, so you know the drill. Yes, you know. I so do. what would um, you? What would you have done? If with you life? look at the history of the Dallas Cowboys, okay. Here we go. I like this. <laughs> there is a gap. So uh, Troy Aikman uh, basically starts to, you know, kind of flame out in 1998. Yeah. That is just the time that the Cowboys draft a young left-hander out of Washington State <laughs> by the name of Mark Ronchetti. And so I'm the guy between Aikman and Romo 
Okay, in, and that's the same time Parcells comes in. So yeah. Ron Ketty and Parcells team up to win two Super Bowls. You know, again, a crafty left-hander. There's yeah. no doubt. Uh, you know, he's. I'm kind of like Steve Young, but I have a lot more fun on the weekends. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's just that kind of thing, and and so that's absolutely what I would have done. Well, those, if I had the choice, I don't those, know. If I those would. old Cowboys teams, they like to have a lot of fun. No, oh, oh yeah, post Irvin. No? Well, no, that's oh, the yeah. problem that Irvin would have been gone. So I'd have been like, what the like that? You know, you kind of miss out. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, we'd had a good time again with Parcells there. It would have been a combo. It would have been a combo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's no, nice. It would have been great. That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know what's coming next. The most important, uh, most telling uh, answers come from this section of the program. Uh, that is, are you an agony of defeat person like Michael Jordan, who wears every one of their losses like a backpack on their back, carried around so that you never lose again? Or are you an optimist? Are you a person who looks at the world with a glass half full and the thrill of victory is what gets you through the day? Yeah. Which one? absolutely agony of defeat i mean without question every time i whenever somebody is in agony of defeat i'm just like you're a liar yeah <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's like it's like it's like hockey right when when in, you know pregame the goalie's out there and everybody's shooting at the goalie right yeah and he's just kind of you know deflecting him off to the side that's like the victories right you're like gone gone good right because that's on. your job you're gone yes that's you're your there job. to win right and, and then when you lose and it doesn't go your way yeah it's bitter it's the, I mean, that's the worst part. And that's the problem with politics too, right? This is a zero sum game. There is no, oh, good job, good, good effort. Glad you did a good job, kiddo. Like there's no good job, kiddo. Like right. it's, you either win or you lose. It's like Ricky Bobby says, if you ain't first, you're last. You're last, right? That's and right. That, you know, and honestly, my whole career has been that way because TV's that way. Like yeah. you either win or you're done. Yeah. Like there were, there were, I think there were seven weather guys at the NBC affiliate while I was at the CBS affiliate. Wow. You know, and it, because you just, they just cite because you, you couldn't win. And so that's the idea. You want to make sure that you're winning. And, and in this, and the difference in this is the stakes are so much higher because you're like, wait a minute, we can do something here to really make a difference. And then when you tell your wife and you tell your kids, look, I know this isn't easy and I know you probably didn't choose this, but I need you to stick with me on this because if we can get this done, which we can, we're going to be able to make a massive difference. And so you pile those two on each other, like that that visceral reaction to losing and knowing what the stakes are. You, you just spend each day getting up focused on it. Man, yeah. that is just so fantastic. Um, if our audience wants to help you out, where do they where do they find you? What can they do? Yes, uh, we, we could use the help. There's no doubt. We're, uh, we've outraised this governor the last three months combined. Nice. So, so and again, when you're a sitting governor, you know, you should, that shows you where the appetite is in this campaign, but we need more help to get across the line. We absolutely have to raise more money as we head down the stretch and it's markronketty.com. And we would, we would love your help. And, and anybody listening to the program here would be, would be huge. It really would. And this is such a great opportunity. I know there's some States on the, on the target map here that you don't always see in Oregon, you know, and in, in New Mexico, but in New Mexico, every other time we, we elect a Republican governor. And as a matter of fact, we haven't re- elected a, a governor of the same party as the president in about 40 years wow so we always flip over away from where the president is well that's a good stat yeah yeah it's interesting so it but it's going to be it's a great race it's tight and and we need every every you know piece of help we can get to get across the finish line yeah don't sleep on new mexico i mean the red wave we want it as big as possible we want it as wide as possible got to keep the map wide we got to win everywhere no doubt i appreciate you guys having me on yeah, yeah thanks thank for coming you so much all right fellas you can't not love the guy yeah. You absolutely cannot not love him. And he's running against an 
Horrible governor. Horrible, horrible governor. She might be the worst governor in the entire country. I mean, the oppo file on her is a mile long. And she's on, just like an actual monster. On top, yeah, exactly. On top of the oppo file, she's overlooking all of the. Do, do you know one of the things? One of the things he told us that really stuck out to me was when she went to this guy's restaurant. Right. There's a restaurant like close to Navajo country where all these families are coming in right. during the pandemic, hoping they can get something to eat. And she herself pulled up in her gigantic suburban and took pictures. Took pictures of narked. the restaurant, narked. while are these people are trying to make a living. Are it's you governor. Serious, the, bro. New Mexico has a governor, Karen. Bro, it's incredible. She is governor Karen. She's governor Karen. Let's send governor Karen back and help Mark Ronchetti. Yeah, we need Mark Ronchetti in there. Let's go. And also, folks, you know how easy it is to give to a candidate. I already finished. I just gave to Blake. That's how we make the red wave happen. It's going to take all of us. Thanks so much for Mark Ronchetti being on the show. And I got to say so myself, gentlemen. Absolute banger of an episode. Thank you so much to the Minions. And uh, I can't stress it enough. It's going to take all of us to make this red wave happen. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. 